Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ty Brown Show. Today, we're going to be talking about the power to be found in being what I call casually assertive. <clears throat> being casually assertive is, is basically having the courage to get to the heart of what matters most. Uh, we're going to talk about some stories about when people were maybe a little bit unnecessarily reluctant to speak up and discuss how to be more assertive without causing people to become defensive. So buckle up, we're going in three, two, and one. Podcasting from Conciliators, this is the Ty Brown Show. If you're a human and you think you might have to interact with other humans at some point, and you'd like that to go well, then listen up. Oh, yeah. It's time to get cozy with conflict. Let's go. And we're back. I'm going to be doing things just a little bit different in 2020, a year of change for me. I am um, not going to go through stats, mostly because it's just it's so hard to add them all up from all the different all the different channels. I mean, this is available on like 20 different podcast platforms. Uh, it's on YouTube. <clears throat> At least some of the episodes are on YouTube. And um, anyway, it's just, it's become difficult. It's become difficult for me to add them up. And I'm not sure that my number is even really that accurate. So um, rather than focusing so much on uh, number of downloads, or well, well, not even downloads. In a lot of cases, they're not downloaded. They're just listened to uh, without a download. So anyway, instead of adding up all those things, um, I think this year we're just going to focus on, I'm going to just make a real push on, on trying to just share this with people and get more and more actual real life stories of people who have um, harnessed the benefits and powers of ADR in their everyday lives and improve their relationships. So I'm going to just try to make it a little more personal uh, this year. And mostly that's just to save me the time and headache of uh, going through and adding things up. But in case you're curious, our last episode with uh, Jeremy Pollock, uh, that one, I, I think it was around 2000. Uh, and, and so anyway, that's good. That's good. The goal of the show, for those of you who might be first timers, or for those of you who haven't listened in a while and you're just ready to be reminded about what we're after here, uh, we have launched the Dispute Resolution Revolution. That is, uh, we are trying to use ADR, that's Alternative Dispute Resolution, techniques in everyday encounters to solve very real life human problems that we deal with, make us better business people, better spouses, better parents, better children, better siblings, uh, better members of the community. At the very core of the mission uh, in my, in when I started this show was my desire to help, uh, just to help eliminate contempt in our communications with others. There's so much contempt uh, in, in our discourse these days. And I really hope that together we can change that that we can improve that. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm just reminded here. Um, I was looking, I was just going through Facebook, uh, the news cycle, what is it? Not the news cycles, the news feed. I was going through Facebook a news feed, which I don't do that often. And and I saw this post. Someone was kind of celebrating the March for Life. It's a big, uh, it's a big event uh, where you know people. I think the president was there, and it's uh, it's a big pro-life, um, you know, anti-abortion event. 
And um, I thought, oh, this should be interesting <laughs> to read comments. And so I started reading. And the very first comment was someone who um, was, you know, really, um, well, kind of lashing out, actually. Um, and, and maybe they weren't. Maybe maybe when they typed it, they were typing it in like a really nice voice. But it came across as kind of uh, a lot of kind of telling you what you know and how you feel and um, and kind of making a lot of assumptions and a lot of blanket statements, things like that. And, um, there was just a lot of back and forth exchange on this thread of comments on this Facebook post. And there was just a lot of, there was a lot of judging. And, and I don't, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of contempt. Uh, remember contempt is, um, the feeling that someone is beneath consideration or worthless or deserving scorn. Um, anyone who had an opposing view on abortion, they saw the other party as deserving scorn. And, um, and now, now I understand, look, abortion, that's an emotive topic, right? I mean, it's understandably an emotive topic. And it is for me too. I have, I have strong feelings and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I get that. Right. But I, I guess the whole reason I started this rant is, is basically to make the point that social media, social media is not, it does not equal a good place for difficult conversations. It's just not primarily because you have an audience, difficult conversations. If you really want to discuss something and, and you really want to engage in a dialogue with someone, especially if it's a sensitive topic that can't be done very well when you have a big audience. Um, it's a conversation not designed for a big audience. Now I get that political issues, uh, require, they require kind of large scale, um, consensus and action. Um, and, and I realize that there are forums that are good for promoting that kind of communication, but if you're going to, if you're going to try and debate with an individual about his or her views on something, don't do it on social media. Just don't take the bait. Um, because of the audience factor, you're not going to make, you're not going to make headway. Um, and also, you know, written communications have their limitations as well. Um, it's hard to it's hard to communicate really as much content through writing as you can in person because because of body language and expression and tone and all those things. Um, and honestly, just Facebook messages are just prone to misunderstanding because it's people that you don't often know that well that you're exchanging with and. Um, and that leads to misunderstandings. So there was a lot of misunderstanding in that thread and just made me realize, yeah, I'd, I'd love to eliminate some of this contempt, um, help people disagree better, right? That's what we're after. That's what we want to do with this show. All right. So diving into our topic for the day, I got a question. Um, by the way, if you're ever going to submit a question, it's probably best if you reach out to the Ty Brown show on Facebook or Instagram or something, because the Ty Brown show email is not working. It is down for the count and cannot be resuscitated. Um, so sorry, don't don't send me an email there. Uh, reach out on Facebook or Instagram or or whatever. Okay, so the question was this. Um, the question was, do you have any tips for how to have difficult conversations without making someone defensive? I'm reluctant to engage. That was kind of their statement. They, they don't really like going there. Um, and initially when I read this, I was like, oh yeah, this is disarming technique material, right? Like go back and look at like one of those first episodes where we talked about the disarming technique because that is, that is the answer for you 
Um, but then I got, I got reading a little closer and I realized, Hey, there's a lot more to this. This is really someone saying, I'm reluctant to talk about things that are difficult. Um, I'm reluctant. And the, the truth is, this is, this is really, really common. There are so many stories I can think of, of people who were reluctant to speak up. And I mean, it shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that hard, but it is. But why? Why is that so hard? And so I thought, that's what I want to do this episode on. And um, I have, I have a, an answer, um, sort of, sort of an answer. Um, and it's not one that you'll find in any book or peer-reviewed research paper or anything. It's just kind of like a Thai Brownism. Um, but I use the term casually assertive. Um, how to be casually assertive. And that's basically to help people who find themselves reluctant to talk about what matters most or, or unable to get to the point. Um, I try to help them to be casually assertive. So anyway, um, in, in my work, I'm constantly, I'm constantly trying to persuade and convince people to have important conversations. Um, to have difficult conversations that need to be had. And I got to tell you, I am met with resistance all the time. I mean, very rarely have I talked with someone about an issue they're having and talked about, well, this is the conversation that needs to happen and then be like, oh yeah, cool. I'm so ready for that. Um, no, it's always, it's always like, well, so yeah, sure. That, that's got to happen at some point. Um, but there, there's this major reluctance, unwillingness to go ahead and just tackle these issues right then and there. For example, here's, here's some examples. And, and as I'm talking about these, think about you know, why is it so hard for us to say something in these instances? And um, it, it, it might, it might help you kind of relate. You might be like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I've been there. And um, I have all these things going on in my head that make it seem like this is a really hard thing to talk about. But what I'm hoping to show you is how being casually assertive is actually pretty easy to do. Um, and maybe you can, you can do that. Um, all right. So first issue. So this was, um, this was a gender issue. Um, ran into a couple of women. They were kind of, um, they're with one of the clients that, that I service. Uh, th by the way, if you didn't know, I, I do dispute resolution for businesses and organizations. Um, so anyway, there are these, these two women, they were kind of gossiping in their office and, and I just po popped in and I said, hello, how's it going? I could tell they were gossiping. And so I was like, Hey, what, what are we talking about? You know, let me in on it. It's totally confidential and protected by law. I'm a neutral. It's awesome. And so they're like, okay, here, come in, come on in. And, and I'm going to change all the names, of course. All right. So, you know, Jim, he, um, we, we have the same title, like we're the same leadership status as Jim, but he is always treating us like we are the help, uh, like we're the maid or something, or, or like his personal assistant or something, um, you know, and it's cause he's a man and, and, uh, he's chauvinistic and, you know, he, he thinks us women are, you know, not his equal and all these different things, this, that, and the other. And I said, Oh, cool. Well, uh, well, you know, thanks for sharing that. What, what, what's, what does he do? Like, what does he ask you to do for him? Like, are you getting his coffee or you know, what is it? And they said, oh, well, no, when we have these meetings, he's always asking, he's always asking us to make copies for him and to pass out papers to everybody. And it just kind of feels a little bit demeaning to us. And I said, oh, okay, I understand that. Yeah. Especially where you've worked hard to, to climb the ladder and be where you are. You know, I, I get that. I said, do you think there's a chance that for Jim, this is um, more just, you know, he sees you as being very willing to help and eager to support 
him and you know and is there a chance that maybe it's just that and and not about anything else and they say well there is a chance you know he is actually a pretty good guy it's just you know just this one thing you know maybe maybe he just doesn't realize what he's doing um that it feels like this gender thing and so that was that was our conversation and they kind of started giving him a little bit of credit and and said well you know we always we do try to show that we're eager to help and um and maybe he just thinks, you know, we're good people to ask because we're willing. So anyway, that was, that was this. So they said, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted, so if, as a dispute resolution guy, I was like, okay, well, I, I think that, I think you need a, you need a plan. I, I think you, this is an issue that you ought to just address. And they're like, well, well, I think it's resolved. What do you mean? You know, we don't have to address it. And, and I said, no, 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 you should. I think Jim deserves to know how the, how he's making you feel because I don't think that's his intention and it's not fair to go around telling people that he's chauvinistic if, if you know you should just bring this up with him is, is what I told them and they were like well how on earth would we do that that seems like a really hard thing to do and I was like oh come on it is so not that hard to do um, you, you know you just say hey Jim sometimes you make me feel like a maid um, I'd rather feel like you're equal here you know <laughs> and that's, that's that's how you do it. You just kind of say it like it's no big deal, but um, but here you are. You're 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 getting it out there because it's important to you. And they were like, "Oh, I guess uh, I guess we can just say that." Yeah, mm-hmm. turns out you can. You can just say that. You just be casually assertive, put it out there, and um, and don't do it in a way where you cause them to brace for impact. Like I'm about to deliver a real blow. Um, so anyway, that was that was this conversation. And anyway, they, that was, that was resolved really quickly. They just, uh, well, at least one of these people ended up telling Jim, Hey, in the future, do you think you can have like secretaries or somebody else, you know, maybe one of the interns do the copies and distributing of papers. I just want to feel like you're equal. And sometimes I don't. And, uh, that it just went that smoothly and it was fine. No big deal. Uh, he was like, absolutely. We can make that happen. So, all right, that was one example. Um, there's another example. I think I shared this one early on in, in when after I started the show. Uh, this was a Patrick Lencioni story. He's a, he's like a communications consultant, leadership consultant uh, for businesses, and really well respected in the field. And he's written a bunch of books and stuff. And he shared he shared this story, which was like perfect about people being reluctant. Um, it, it's so. It's so, it's just so in line with what I see all the time. This is the, this is exactly the reaction I get 90% of the time when I'm working with a business client. So he tells the story about this guy who was a CEO and, and president of this small business and the business was growing. He really got it back on his feet. He really did an amazing job and he was ready to now um, kind of narrow his role a little bit. He was basically the COO and the CEO and you know he had done a lot of hard work and he was ready to hand the, the daily operations stuff to someone else, another leader. And the board thought, hey, you know what? You've done such a great job. I think we're going to reward you with that. And so um, they said, go ahead and pick a replacement for COO, and then you can focus on strategy and growth and blah, blah, blah as the chief executive. So he goes, okay, sounds good. So um, word gets out that he's going to be replacing or that he's going to be hiring a new C-level person. And um, apparently somebody in the organization started kind of, well, started telling everybody, yeah, it's, it's going to be me. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm in line for that. 
and um, eventually, <laughs> well, this was this was concerning to these people because this guy was not particularly well liked. Uh, he was effective at his job, but you know, socially, he's just really difficult to work with. And uh, people were very concerned that he could become the next COO and be managing their day-to-day affairs. So he, uh, uh, well, somebody who was concerned about this went to the the current CEO, and they said to him, "Hey, is it true that Barry's going to be the next COO?" I mean, that's what he's telling everyone. And the CEO's like. Pfft. No, that would be a real problem. Um, no, he's not going to be the next COO. Um, <laughs> and and the person's like, well, yeah, he's telling everybody that he is. So anyway, that's when he goes to to Patrick Lencioni. And he's like, hey, I've got this problem. Um, oh, it's just so frustrating that he'd be telling people that. They're all real concerned about it, um, so on and so forth. And Patrick tells him, he's like, hey, you've got you've to probably just deal with this right now. And he's like, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time for that. Who's, who's got the energy to confront this guy about this, you know, rumor? And you know, it's not that important. We just got to move on and keep our head down and keep working. And, and Patrick's like, you don't have the time for this? Are you serious? I mean, I can I can picture you now. You pick up the phone, you dial his number, and you say, hey, Barry, uh, I heard you're telling people you're going to be the next COO. Uh, 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 you, you're not, and um, you, you shouldn't be telling them that. Uh, if, if you keep telling people that, then uh, you know that's that's going to be a problem for you. <laughs> and all right, understood. Okay, you know that's that's how long it would take to clear up that issue. And yet this this CEO, you know, he's over here agonizing about this problem and and um, you know, unwilling to confront it. And, and so kind of the point that Patrick is making is, hey, look, if you can just be a little more assertive here um, and a little more candid and open, it's going to save you a lot of a lot of wasted time and energy thinking through how to handle all these situations. Sometimes you just need to talk about what matters most and move on. And um, and I actually really liked the way that Patrick kind of walked through that phone call with him to show him just how easy it, it could be and how, you know, it wasn't a personal attack. This, he wasn't suggesting the CEO get mad at this guy or get aggressive with him. Um, just tell him, say, hey, I heard this and that's a problem. So um, better stop doing that. You know, and it's, it's that simple. <laughs> and so anyway, that was a great story from Patrick. There is another example. This is an example of someone being casually assertive. And um, it's a story of, a, of a, one of my kids. So Marshall, he's our four-year-old. Marshall is an articulate little fella. And um, he is, I think, actually a very good communicator. And he has a way of connecting with people that's, that's pretty remarkable. Um, you know, here I am, like a parent, bragging about their kid who's like, you know, so amazing. Um, every parent says that, right? Totally biased. I get it. I know. So Marshall, he he has this, he has this like very engaging way of communicating. And if you're not, if you're not as engaging, he's been known to call you out for it. For example, he'll say, um, he'll say something like, Hey, uh, look, look at my eyes. So I know you hear me. And um, because, you know, sometimes when your kids are talking to you, you're like, hey, I'm kind of busy. I'm going to keep washing the dishes here. I'm going to keep doing all these other things. And and I just love how he'll just say, hey, hey, daddy, look at look at my eyes. So I know you hear me. 
it's such an assertive little move and it's it's so well taken i realize wow i communicate with a lot of my with like a lot of my communications with my kids i am like half present at best and but anyway i love how he would be so assertive with that and and, and it didn't create any feeling of defensiveness or 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 hurt in me at all right i mean that's just you're just kind of like yeah that's a that's a great idea let's let's do that so um yeah, next time someone's not looking at you, just just pull a marshal on them and say, uh, "Hey, over here, look look in my eyes, so I know you hear me." Right? Okay, so that's um, that's maybe a little example of someone being assertive. So why is it so hard anyway? I think it's because we anticipate people being very defensive, or we might just be fearful of causing them hurt or pain. And it's funny because when we when we ease into these kinds of conversations. Uh, we're kind of sending this message like brace for impact because like the bomb is about to be dropped. Right. And, and our, our nervousness, they will mirror the person we're talking to will mirror our nervousness. Uh, Our body language will show how reluctant we are to say this because we're anticipating it to be so hurtful. So now they're anticipating it to be so hurtful causes them to brace for impact. Their heart rate will increase. Everyone has felt this, right? Someone says, we need to talk. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh boy, what's coming? Um, so that's kind of the brace for impact. So the way around this, the way to help someone not mirror your nervousness is to be casually assertive. So you go into these things with a lot of confidence, a lot of directness, and you do it in a way that's not aggressive. It's you're not feeling fearful. You're not feeling uptight about having the conversation. You're just comfortable going in and casually bringing up what matters most. Um, And they will mirror that. They will be casually defensive instead, you know, or whatever their reaction might, you have no control over their reaction, but they're likely to mirror your casualness, um, your, and that sounds like it could be a bad thing. Like, like we're not giving something the attention it deserves. Well, so what? I don't care. At least you're bringing up what matters most. And, and it's likely to induce the response that, that, that you need, which is one of, of more, um, that's just a little more, uh, cooperative. It's a little more uh, collaborative as opposed to oppositional. When we can bring things up so casually, it's almost like, hey, this is like a really important issue, but I don't see it as being like a deal breaker for this, uh, this relationship or for your employment. Like, hey, this is an important issue. We're just going to bring it up and we're going to do it um, like an issue. It's not a personal attack. This is just an issue that needs solved. And we're on a team here and we're going to solve it, right? It kind of sends that message. If you can be casual, it kind of shows them that you don't see this as being an adversarial square off, an exchange of hand grenades. Um, it, you just, you have an issue that you're going to get their help resolving and being casual sends that right message. So I, uh, yeah, that's what I try to do. So, um, you know, we already talked about maybe how the CEO in that example, that Patrick Lencioni example was, you know, could have been casually assertive just by saying, Hey, going forward, I need you to stop saying that. Right. That's, that's casually assertive. That's the other thing about being casually assertive. It's fast. It doesn't take a lot of time. There's not like always a ton of discussion. It's usually a short conversation. Um, 
and it's because you just get to what matters most right out of the gates, which is awesome. Um, you know, we talked about the, the, the women who felt like they were the maid. Um, now I, I did tell them, I don't want you to be casually assertive with a big audience, um, because then you're going to make this person feel like really defensive and, and it will put a, a real strain on the relationship. But privately, next time you get a chance to talk to this guy, just tell him, say, Hey, I don't want to seem unhelpful, but, um, can we have a, can we have a secretary do this? I want to feel like you're equal. Right. And, and that's how they did. And that's how it, that's how it resolved itself so easily. So, um, keep that in mind when you are being casually assertive, it's much better if you can do it. Um, if you can do it in a setting where people aren't going to have to maintain an identity in front of others. Um, there are a lot of team, there are a lot of team like meetings and stuff where, where it's okay, where I think it's appropriate to be casually assertive, even though there, there may be lots of people present. Um, but if you're, if you're talking about one person's individual behaviors, that's best happened. That's best dealt with privately. So, all right. So, um, how do you do it? How do you be casually assertive? What's what's like the secret sauce to being casually assertive? Well, I always start by telling myself it's going to be okay. You know, I'm going into I'm going into a conversation if I'm feeling all worked up about it, or you know, sometimes as a neutral, I'll be stepping into conflicts and they're they're bitter and nasty, and I'm like, oh, I hope I know what to say. Uh, uh, you know, I just remind myself, just tell yourself, you know, it's going to be okay. This conversation is going to be okay everything's going to be okay. Uh, that just helps you to not carry that air of nervous energy that will cause them to also feel that air of nervous energy. Okay. So that's step one. It's going to be okay. And then step two is just start with what matters most. Um, I, a lot of times I'll tell people just use the words, uh, what is important to me is, and then you just get it out there. And you have to avoid easing in. I, whenever I think of easing into a conversation, I always picture, I always picture myself um, like sitting in an interview, like a performance review at work or something and getting leading questions. I had, I had this one boss who, who, who did this. Um, it's the only time I ever like worked at an organization. I was working at the MTC and um, for just a short time, I had this boss who would do these performance reviews and they would always ask things like, well, how do you think you did? Uh, how do you think you, how do you think you did particularly in that meeting that you were leading? You know, <laughs> and I could tell it's like this leading questions where they're like trying to get me to this place where I was like, like opening up and being like, oh yeah, the, you know. Um, but anyway, these leading questions, this like easing in maneuver, it just, it just puts people on edge because they know you're fishing and then they, you realize that they're trying to kind of box you over into this side where they're about to tell you, you know, all these different things of ways you need to improve and stuff. Um, easing in is bad. It, it's just bad. Don't ease in, don't ease in. Uh, especially in a performance review, it's much, much, much better to just put your thoughts out there and then let them know that you're, I mean, you're honestly, sincerely interested in whether they might see the situation differently. So if you're in a performance review and you think someone is really poor at managing their meetings, um, get your thoughts out there and say, say, you know, I sat in that meeting, it felt like it didn't go great to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like maybe, maybe there's, Maybe, maybe I saw something wrong. Maybe you perceived it differently. Maybe I kind of missed the reactions. Um, but from what I saw, it seemed like, seemed like 
you felt like you were really on the hot seat and struggling to keep control of that. Um, you know, what, what do you think? So anyway, just not having them have to guess. Don't ease in. Anyway, I think I, I think I'd probably beat that to death now. Um, much better to just get your thoughts out there. So that's that's step two. So for first step, it's going to be okay. Step two, start with what matters most. Remember, just say something like, what is important to me is, and you get the issue out there. So if you're doing the performance review in the meeting example, you, if you're the boss, you say, hey, what's important to me is that your meetings, um, you know, what, and then whatever it is about the meetings that you want to improve, is that your meetings are, uh, more professional or more organized or um, more effective at whatever. So anyway, start with what is important to me. That's a great line to start with. Step three, and this is, this is you don't always have to go here, but, but I'm including it because it can be really helpful, particularly if you're having a conversation you feel like it's not going well. Like you've been assertive, um, you've been casually assertive, and you just feel like it hasn't, it's, something's incomplete. If that's the feeling you're getting, then I do this strategy. I just call it a walkthrough. I walk someone through my full train of thought so that they can see how reasonable I am, right? If they can, if they can go through my full train of thought, chances are they can see how I got to where I got to. And um, so I do, I do a walkthrough, um, and it's a way to follow up um, being casually assertive on something. Um, to do this walkthrough, and they can realize, oh yeah, no, I, I see your point. Um, but it's this this tool of the walkthrough. It's probably it's probably less about being casually assertive, and it's probably more about how to help someone who has who you fear is hurt or or feeling um, what's the word um, defensive. Um, so here, here's how a walkthrough might go. Um, I'll give you just an example. Let's say you're running a business. You've got a um, great employee and they're they work a whole you know normally they're working two or three hours of overtime in a pay period and then one pay period uh, all of a sudden they've worked 16 hours of overtime and that's time and a half pay and it's it's really affected your small business uh, labor costs right that's a, a pretty big deal um, so you know you're wanting to make sure that this issue is addressed because it's vital to your business functions, but you're you're also worried that this employee will be hurt or or maybe really defensive and kind of throw it back at you and be like, hey, you gave me so much to do. What was I supposed to do here? Right? And you don't want this to turn into you know a big issue. And anyway, you might feel a little nervous about bringing this up. Like, hey, you just cost me a ton of money. Um, that can't happen, right? I mean, so anyway. Um, Here's how a walkthrough might go. Um, I, and actually, you know, I'm going to throw in those first two steps. You know, you tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to bring up this issue because it's, it's vitally important to the function of our business that we control our labor costs. And I need to know why this is happening. So, okay, so you tell yourself, it's going to be okay. We're just going to, we're going to handle this. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. All right. So you're in the right mindset. Uh, you're going to start with what matters most. Uh, so you might say something, hey, um, I noticed our labor expense was higher than normal due to 16 hours of overtime from you. Um, you know, usually I'm accustomed to seeing two or three hours of overtime. And, and now, now you can start the walkthrough, right, if you want. You could just stop there and let them kind of explain. But if, if you want to do the walkthrough, here's how the walkthrough would go. Uh, you say, uh, you know, at first when I, saw, when I saw this number, I was really surprised 
And then I started to really think it through and started wondering what made this pay period so different than other ones. Uh, and I started wondering, gosh, maybe I maybe I asked maybe I asked uh, Sarah to uh, maybe I asked you to just do way too much, and I just lost track of what I had been asking. Um, you know, and then and then as I thought about bringing this up, I started thinking, oh gosh, well I, I I don't want to send the wrong impression that I'm ungrateful for your hard work and your willingness to put in the time to get everything done. I certainly don't want you to feel like I, I question your competence or your skill as an employee. The truth is, you're awesome. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, what is important to me is managing uh, managing this business and and making sure that our financial performance is where it needs to be. And um, you know, it's my job to monitor it closely. So uh, tell me, do you think this was just a blip on the radar? Uh, or do we need to figure out some sort of long-term solution to basically a labor shortage here? And, um, you know, and that, that's just, I, it's hard to do that just like off the top of my head. But that's just an example of a walkthrough on how things could go. And when you tell someone all the different thoughts that you've been thinking, walk, just walk them through. And it's, it's just that simple. Walk them through your honest thoughts. And you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at the understanding you can produce when you walk someone through your train of thought. Because generally speaking, the conclusions you've come to, they make sense to you for a reason. And as you're doing the walkthrough, sometimes you'll even realize as you're doing it, you'll be like, oh, you know what? I made a bad conclusion. I'm walking through, you know, my train of thought and I'm realizing that, you know, I made a bad conclusion and you can just acknowledge that there. And, and that's, that's kind of a cool thing too. Um, it shows them that your guard is down when you're just walking them through your thoughts. I mean, that's like, that's a very vulnerable kind of, uh, open, uh, I am not embarrassed kind of attitude. If you can just walk someone through your train of thought, um, our thoughts are so private, right? I mean, no one knows what we're thinking. Um, I was about to say, except for Santa, but I don't even think Santa Claus knows what we're thinking. He just sees you when you're sleeping, uh, which is you know, another issue for another day. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, no, our thoughts are so private. And so when you walk someone through what you're thinking, um, it's a, it's a really, it's a bonding exercise. Like it really helps you connect to people as humans because it's a very, uh, it's a very vulnerable kind of process that, that, that helps you to, to be close to people, helps you to connect with people because you're revealing something that, that they could never, ever know otherwise. So anyway, walk, doing a walkthrough of thoughts. Um, and again, this is not like something that I'm pulling from like a book or something. It's just kind of a, I don't know, just a practice that I found to be really effective in actual, you know, as a practitioner of dispute resolution, it's just so effective to help people walk through your thoughts. Uh, Geez, really helps. Okay, um, so and, and that kind of dovetails with my next point, which is to help them to just, I guess, make sure that they know your guard is down. Um, you know, to be casually assertive. If you come across assertive with your guard up, they will they will be very defensive. Their guard will also be up. So if you can be casually assertive, you know, play it cool, act natural. Um, no, it just it just kind of shows that your guard is down. Um, you're not there to attack them. You're you're willing to own up to your your contributions to the mess that that you find yourself in. Um, you know, in, in the example I just gave of the worker with the overtime, you know, that's when you say, oh, I got to thinking maybe I maybe I asked this person to do way too much. Um, you know, you're you're just you're you're very willing to acknowledge your contribution to something. 
and uh, that that really helps. Um, you know, I just had a phone call this morning with an adjuster on a case, and they were they were telling me they said, "Hey, we don't have a we don't have a claim set up for this person. There were multiple people injured in this accident," and and I said, "Oh, you know what? I might have." I might have I might have messed up on my letter of rep. Let me go let me go check and look at my documents. I don't know, but we'll we'll get it figured out. We'll get it set up. And they went back and they were looking there. Oh, actually, no, you did you did send a, you did send a letter of rep, and we've got it here. And we must have just made an error. And I said, well, no big deal, right? But it's their willingness to kind of own up to their mistake was triggered by me saying, oh, you know what? I probably I probably messed up on the letter of rep. I just kind of show them you know, mistakes happen and it could have been me and, and, and I knew it wasn't. Yeah, I, I know. Right. I knew, I knew it wasn't me, but, um, that was the only way to get them to be like, okay, yeah, we'll take an honest look at this. And, oh, you know, it was us. I'm glad you didn't think it was too big of a deal. Um, you know, if you were willing to own up to it yourself, then, you know, we should be able to as well. So anyway, the, um, making sure your guard is down, um, and making sure they realize that that's a real, that's a real bonus a real helpful thing to keep in mind as you are being casually assertive. All right. Um, okay. Here is, here's the last little nugget of insight for you. And, uh, and I, I tell people this all the time. Um, so often when we think of being assertive, we think of being aggressive. Like people, people make those synonyms. Assertive communicators are aggressive communicators. That's not true. Um, that's that's a misunderstanding of what assertive really is. Um, being assertive is actually it's an act of um, I hate using the word vulnerability so much. I, I don't know why. I feel like that word has a bad oh I stigma to it. Um, it's kind of overused in in my work, but it, it does show being assertive. It shows people that you are willing to dive into the issues that matter most. You're willing to talk about what's most important, even though it's probably going to make you uncomfortable. Um, even though it's difficult, you're willing to bring up the issues that matter most. It's actually an act of being open and vulnerable. It's not an act of being a bully. Uh, being assertive is just the opposite. People people will mask assertiveness as bullying. They will think that they're an assertive communicator, but actually they're just a bully who wants to get their way. But no, an actual assertive communicator is someone who can quickly start talking about what matters most. And, and it doesn't mean that they're imposing their will in every situation either. It just means that you're assertively getting to what matters most and, and you start building consensus. You start building understanding. You start building um, a dialogue to where everyone can can know uh, can know what's what's going on uh, inside each other's heads. Um, so that's that's what I that's my thought on assertiveness. I think it's wildly misunderstood, and I think it's probably one of the three most important aspects of good communication is this willingness to talk about what matters most and this assertiveness, this proactive uh, hunger to get those issues out there on the table early and fast. So um, that is all for today. Please uh, be casually assertive. Talk about what matters most. Um, you know, thanks for listening. I hope that you'll share this podcast with someone, share it with someone at work, uh, share it with your boss, share it with your, your auntie, um, you know, share it with somebody and to help spread the dispute resolution revolution. Goodbye.